0: Love Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. Yet despite the many upsides of age, a long life means that our generation has borne witness to a number of social inequities. And as a generation who likes to think of ourselves as change agents, it's critical that we stay involved and committed to our own goals of making the world a better place. Those are a lot of people's goals, but I know baby boomers like to credit ourselves with that. But our guest today, Megan McBride, is a research analyst for CNA's Center for Stability and Development. She's also an expert on international security issues including terrorism, radicalization, and ideological violence. But Megan's joining us today to share all about a recent report focusing on extremism in the military. It's an ongoing and sometimes ever-growing issue. So welcome, Megan. I can't wait to say at the onset that I find your work both truly fascinating and frightening.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I also find it fascinating and frightening. Yeah, well, good. I mean, because,
0: wow, your day must be full of, let's say, sometimes uncomfortable surprises, I can imagine. But before we get into the specifics of the report, can you tell us a little bit about the organization CAN and your role in it? I have not heard of CAN before.
1: Sure, so CNA is a, a non-CNA. I'm writing CNA, oh, okay. sorry about that. <laughs> Microsoft is constantly auto-correcting it as well for us. Um. CNA oh, <laughs> is a nonprofit, a nonpartisan research organization. Um, so we look at uh, issues related to national security, defense, and the public interest. So um, things like air traffic control or emergency management, um, and do analysis uh, for the government or for other stakeholders who are uh, working in these areas and working to solve some of the harder problems in these areas.
0: Wow, and then Megan, how did you become involved in that? Was your, were you, did you have like a lifelong interest in extremism and terrorism? I mean, it sounds like it's an amazing career choice, I would think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a little bit maybe the answer is yes. I did my. Uh, my uh, thesis in college on serial killers, so, so certainly there was a seed there from the beginning. Um, but I ended up with CNA right after graduate school. I finished my, my PhD and I had worked for the Department of Defense earlier in my career, and it seemed like a really perfect place to bring together um, the sort of practical experience I'd had working with the Department of Defense and the academic work I'd been doing in, in, a, in graduate school.
0: Wow. Well, what a career you have for yourself, and it's wonderful to know someone with your background is guarding us. <laughs> I really appreciate it and looking out for our best interests for sure. Well, now I'm getting to the frightening part because uh, in the report uh, you shared that, there, that more than 12% of the participants charged in the January 6th insurrection were either current military or former military. That is mind-boggling and more than frightening for me.
1: Yeah, it is a it is a really uh, alarming statistic. I think Um, extremism in the military is is, has been on the Department of Defense's radar for a while. Um, Under the previous administration, in fact, the Secretary of Defense had had expressed renewed interest in in understanding um, extremism in the military. But I think January sixth was a real call to action. Um, And in our report. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of kinds of extremism in the world, and, and it's very difficult to come up with a one-size-fits-all answer. So in our report, we focused on one kind of extremism, which was racial extremism, and, and tried to look at the problem of racial extremism in the military.
0: And you also added sexual extremism as well, right?
1: Yeah, so one of the things that that occurred to us is that it's really not necessary to reinvent the wheel here Um, The Department of Defense has a long history of looking at the problem of sexual assault and sexual harassment And trying to figure out how to how to deal with that problem Now they haven't always done it perfectly and and they certainly haven't found the right solution yet But they've learned a lot along over the years And we thought there's some probably some things that they've learned that could be relevant to this problem of racial extremism And so what we did was we looked at some of the things they've done to deal with sexual harassment and sexual assault, and then argued that they should do the same things to deal with racial extremism. That's a little abstract, so I'll give you an example. One of the things that that they put in place to deal with the issue of sexual harassment and sexual assault is a reporting mechanism that lets people make anonymous reports or non-anonymous reports depending on what feels most comfortable to them. And this means that the Department of Defense now has a much better idea than they used to of how big of a problem sexual harassment and sexual assault are in the military. So we think this is something that could easily be applied to the problem of racial extremism, put in place a good reporting mechanism so we can can get some data and find out how serious of an issue this is. Well, and
0: speaking of reporting, I mean, it sounds wonderful that they do have the, say, like, rudimentary, I think at this point, ways of doing that. Because you also write that the military blames, you know, these incredibly harmful acts on a few, quote, bad apples, unquote. You disagree with that. And why do you think that belief has continued for so long and basically remained unquestioned over the years?
1: Yeah, I think that it's. It's tempting to think of this as the problem of a few bad apples because um, it really is a relatively small number of people who are doing the most extreme things, right? We don't have, um, you know, tens of thousands of military members uh, showing up at violent rallies. That just isn't happening. It is is a small number. But one of the arguments we make in this report, and and another reason we thought the comparison to sexual assault and harassment was a a compelling one, is that it's a bigger – it's a bigger issue than just those few people that show up at a violent rally. So so just like sexist jokes, are related to sexual harassment, which is related to acts of sexual violence. And we also think racial jokes is related to acts of racial intimidation, which are related to um, you know, racist propaganda or white supremacist propaganda, which is related to racial extremism. We need to look at the whole picture. And if you look at the whole picture, then I think we see pretty clearly that, that focusing on those few bad apples, those, those few people that show up at a violent rally, it's just, it's just missing the point, right? It's, it's focusing on a tree instead of the forest.
0: Well, and I, in the report, I thought it was so well done because I've never, you know, seen this broken down as, you know, as accurately and respectfully as the continuum of harm. So tell us a little bit about how, it, graphically speaking, because it was presented in kind of a graph, that there is this continuum of harm, and you just mentioned it You it, it can range from, you know, jokes, racial or sex, sexist jokes, to real, you know, assaults.
1: Yeah, that's right. So the continuum of harm is actually uh, language that the Department of Defense already uses to talk about sexual harassment and assault, and they basically say, look, we need to put this, we need to understand this as a continuum, right? And that that these these issues are related to one another. That that an environment that allows sexist jokes is more hospitable to a sexist than it might be to a woman, right? Um, and and. And an environment that permits sexist jokes might also be a little bit more tolerant of sexual harassment and might also be a little bit more tolerant of sexual blackmail. Um, and we want to create what the, the, the DODS said is, we want to create an environment inhospitable to sexism and hospitable to women. And so we basically adopted this language and we said, look, I think it's important. We think it's important to acknowledge that there's a continuum of harm for racial extremism, um, that uh, racist jokes are, are related to racial, racist, racist propaganda, which is related to uh, you know, racist discrimination, which is related to acts of racial violence. And what, the military, what we're calling on the military to do is to say, we wanna get rid of all of that and create an environment more hospitable to people of color and less hospitable to racists. I mean,
0: talk about important work. It it is really vital, and one of the things is, it's you know, as an outsider, you know, it's somewhat not easy, but understandable with the you know discrepancy of how many males are in the military as versus females. And in my lifetime, that's a relatively recent experience when females were allowed into the military. Uh, But one of the things that got me and forgive my lack of remembering the actual statistics, but there are actually more. African Americans who are enlisted in the military than in the general population statistically speaking, but far fewer of the, you know, African Americans uh, are found in real positions of power statistically speaking than in the general population. That was just, again, another mind-boggling thing for me.
1: Yeah, so I actually think this is one of a really good example of the power of data, right? So we can tell from the data that we see um, uh, a lot of uh, people of color, particularly Black Americans, and the enlisted forces, but that we're not seeing them advance to the higher ranks at the at the rate we might like to see to reflect the American public, right? So that the number of leaders in the in the higher echelons of the military that, that that those that that population, those those leaders, reflect what the American population looks like, and the only reason we can have this conversation is because someone collected the data on that. What we're missing when we come to this issue of violent extremism and racial extremism is data. We just don't know how much of a problem this is in the military right now. Um, the the military collects great information, for example, on sexual harassment and sexual assault, but it has no no approach to collecting information on racial extremism or extremism. Um, you know, one way to think about this is to say that we don't know if it's a mountain or a molehill right and and a consequence we don't know if we need an, an excavator or a shovel to deal with the problem you can't design a solution for a problem you, you can't even describe yet well speaking of solutions do does the report to cna or
0: whatever do they make suggestions for you know alternating or uh, these uh, entrenched beliefs, change, altering, not alternating, altering these entrenched beliefs, uh, because it, these things have to be changed for sure.
1: Yeah, we do make a couple of suggestions. Um, again, mostly uh mostly derived from how the military has dealt with sexual harassment and sexual assault so i mentioned one which is that we we call for a better reporting system so we can collect some real data on what's happening um the other thing that we're calling for is a strategic plan Um, you maybe don't need a strategic plan if you think this is just the problem of a few bad apples but but we're really asking people to recognize that this is a broader issue right that um Uh, that it it isn't just those few people who show up at violent rallies that we need to deal with. And if you have a broader issue, you really need a strategic plan to approach it. Um, Those are just two of the five recommendations that we make at at the end of the report. Wow. Well, I, again, I am
0: so relieved that women like you are as involved at your level and are looking out for these you know, really difficult situations that have plagued our society, whether we are in the military or in the general society. These issues have plagued all of us for years and years and years. I could talk to you forever, but I know you have other people to speak with, and I don't want to keep you over time. So before we have to leave, do you have anything, any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience? because your message is vitally important.
1: You know, I think, uh, I, I think one thing to think about, uh, the, and the thing I would, I would really sort of call people to think about, is, is really to think about this as a broad issue when, um, when they're talking to their friends about it and, and engaged with their community about it, to sort of recognize that this isn't just a few bad apples and, and to think about that um, when, when dealing with this issue. Um, I think uh, recognizing the scope of the problem is really the first step to developing sound solutions. And also
0: being able to, in your own social circles, you hear a sexist or a racist jokes, you know, walk away or speak up or whatever, because uh, those things, as you say, are part of that continuum of harm, and even though they might seem innocuous and not that important, they truly are. Thank you, Megan. You've opened our eyes. You've shared your incredibly important report with us, and not only do you, you know, shake me up a little bit, but your work gives me hope, too, so for positive change, and we appreciate very much uh, you giving us the background of what you do. I had no idea, and I, for one, citizen, am proud of you, Megan.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much, and thank you for letting me share this uh, with your audience.
0: Well, great. And I forgot to mention I'm a senior citizen, so I am very proud of you. So, again, (laughs) thanks, Megan. And I hope to talk to you again as your work progresses. It's been really an incredible interview for me.
1: Fantastic. I'd love to. You have a nice day.
0: Okay. (laughs) So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.